The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Welcome back to the Business Report. You're on Nova 103.5. Turn our attentions to domestic business at the moment. Uh, Trusco, Trusco, Quentin van Rooyen Jr. joins us in studio again. Quentin, welcome back. Gary, thanks for having me. Now, we discussed this uh, potential deal um, a couple of months ago, and this was uh, the deal we are referring to is Finbond, which was due to acquire 49% of Trusco Finance. Um, that deal had a deadline of 31st of July. Uh, that was then shifted on through a couple of cents announcements, and we saw um, that Finbond had elected not to proceed with the transaction. So let's perhaps start out with the beginning. What was the initial thinking behind selling a minority stake in your in your finance business? Yeah, Gary. So um, the initial thinking was that Finbond and Trusco Finance, your short-term lenders, complementary businesses, um, you know, if we combine those two entities and, and you know, their respective powers together, we could we could put together, uh, you know, a, a, a substantial business here and in South Africa. Um, so that was the thinking. I think the the overall thinking hasn't changed, maybe just the timing there off a little. All right. Now, we saw a couple of sense announcements pushing things out. Typically, that's going through the due diligence processes and everyone's Correct. starting to show their cards at the table. Uh, are you able to tell us what Finbond saw that they kept looking for for extensions? Yeah, it was mutually the, the extensions. Um, keep in mind, the extensions also includes the regulatory approvals, which can be quite cumbersome and time-consuming often. But... Um, during the D- the DD process, we we focused more on on not the compliance and legal DD, obviously that was running in the background, but we were already putting together what type of business and products we're going to try and bring to the market, um, and it's there where we where we f- we saw some differences in in, in focus specifically. Um, Finbond, amazing business in South Africa and North America. I mean, they've they've done really well and continue to do so, but in the space there, more focus on the on the short term ten lending where Trusco Finance locally at at a very narrow focus of sort of medium-term lending and for education only. That being said, um, there was quite some, some interesting strategic uh, ways and tangents we were, we were going off during the DD process. Um, and as you see in the sense announcement, you know, we haven't shut the door completely for a transaction in, in the future. Um, I think maybe we go back a little bit to the drawing boards and, and you know, relook what does what the collaborative future look together. Right. Uh, they've said no. Uh what are the key reasons for, you're saying the timing's not right, but what about right now? When you're looking at a minority stake in a business, there's clearly some sort of strategic long-term you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, in not taking up the minority shareholding, it's not the same as a merger where you take over control of the business. Uh, there, there must have been some things in there that they either didn't like or didn't feel the time was right. So just perhaps take us through what you're comfortable with. There. Yeah, the... the I must say this at this point, the equity transaction was actually the smallest part of the deals we were putting together. Um, the equity portion was was um, just equity. Um, behind the scenes, we were trying to put together a substantial debt transaction um, whereby uh, Finmont will inject debt capital into that specific co-owned entity. And from there, and we will extend uh, lending products to the market. And it's right at that point where, where we, we couldn't find exactly what the product mix would look like. Um, and if I, if I can go back to the point I mentioned earlier, in Finmont's life, uh, short-term lending, um, it's got a very specific target market and it's got a very specific cash flow cycle. Where if you look at what Trusco Finance does, you know, it's more medium-term lending in the, in the order of 60 months versus six months. You know, the cash flow cycle is completely different. And, and one must, you know, it's lending business, but it's uh, materially 
two different animals if you look at the term learning and the short term learning. And 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 I think there the mix wasn't wasn't great. Um, but we're still trying to see if we can change that in in the future so that we can bring the two timings of the two lending products closer together. All right. So what we're saying is the bridges aren't burnt. Not at all. Not at all. You guys have backed no. off a little bit and said, okay, maybe we need to rethink this a bit. A- absolutely, Gary. And, and one must also look at, at the holding company structure. We shared a common shareholder out of America, which owns roughly, owns roughly 35% of Trusco and also that of Finbond. So there's a very um, high likelihood of collaboration in the future. But, you know, what we what we think initially was going to be an easy way to put it together turned out not to be so. Yeah, deals aren't easy. Never. This would have been a, a good opportunity for Trusco to also gain exposure into bigger markets. Um, so that will obviously be disappointing for you guys. Um, do you have other other routes to those same markets? Yeah, Gary. So um, Trusco Finance specifically focuses just on education, just in Namibia. Um, for us to take that lending model out, out where our other markets in Africa has got substantial challenges, as you can imagine. Um, we're not nearly close to satisfying the Namibian educational lending market. So for us, the focus will remain internal to bring capital from abroad into Namibia to, to, to put into education lending specifically. Now, we know the demand for this sort of lending is high. Uh, we know that the population permit in Namibia means that there's more young people coming out of school every year um, proportionately, which means the demand keeps going up. But obviously supply is, uh, is, is one of the issues. Second one is that it is rem- and remains very risky to finance graduates, especially probably in the humanities, um, where we are finding that you know, graduate unemployment is rising rapidly. Right on. You can't say it better. It is, it is in terms from a lending point of view, quite a risky market. And that's why you have to be very peculiar in the, in the type of product you put together for, for education and, and education lending. I mean, the guys in the States have learned that the hard way. So um, we, we're quite cautious in the way we, we approach the lending for education specifically. And how do you mitigate for those risks? I mean, you've said you're cautious. What, what do you do specifically to mitigate those risks? Well, let's start simple with, with credit scoring. You know, like any financial institution, you go through the credit scoring process. There's a numerous steps and, and hurdles the client has to jump through and, and make sure that they've got good credit. But ultimately, you got to look at the market. Eh? You, it, doesn't, it doesn't help you put graduates into the market does not, that does not increase their earning potential. So their earning potential must increase postgraduate. Otherwise, you know, you're putting a student into a, a debt position which they cannot or potentially cannot afford after, after graduating. So for us, the, the educational content or side of it is very important. And there we work closely with the, with the Ministry of Education and tailoring products to make the earning potential of graduates bigger after they've, they've graduated. All right. Now, from a product perspective, you're in an interesting space there because effectively you're probably standing in second in line behind the banks. Most parents would have, with good credit scores, would have access to banking facilities uh, generally in a much more structured manner. Um, and you're also competing to some extent with the, the, the state's own student funding programs. And so you might actually find yourself kind of third in the queue from a quality of, of applicant perspective. Is, has that been the case? 
And um, how have you guys tried to make yourself more competitive? If I, if I can reverse that question a little bit. So the state funding, um, NCFF, National Students Assisting Fund, um, we are credited or our educational uh, programs are credited. So we actually get a lot of support from them. So um, in, in terms of that, you know, public students that, that apply to NCFF for, for, for um, their subsidies, they, they get supported via IELTS. So we actually do very well in that space. But again, the, the demand is so much that we, we're struggling to, to, to raise enough capital to keep up with, with that demand. Okay. All right. So the, the deal's off. We're waiting for next year. Are you anticipating anything in the short term from this FinBond discussion? Or are we just sort of saying, look, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up and talk to each other every Christmas? Gary, not in the short term. You know, everybody's gearing up for Christmas season, so I don't expect anything material to happen now until then. But uh, definitely something in the future we will continue looking at. And how does this leave that particular division of your business? You seemed to be the loss-making environment at the moment. Obviously, you were looking for a cash injection. You required the debt. Are you going to be able to find it somewhere else on the market? Yeah, we were. Needless to say, we were quite excited about transaction and what it shaped up to, to, to be initially. But the group is various, has got various capital raising initiatives from private placements and other equity deals that we've been pursuing in the group. So, yeah, we'll quickly fill the gap. The, uh, the JSC hasn't been particularly worried about this transaction. It was uh, after the sense the share price actually fell. Not a lot. It's not a terribly liquid share. And can't read too much into that. And how's the market treated the news on your side? Uh, I don't think it, it really caused quite such a stir. More so volatility in, in trading over the last couple of weeks we've seen. Um, but funny enough, there's been there's been heavy liquidity in the share the last five, six weeks. And we're not exactly sure where it, where it emanates from. You know, for us, if there's liquidity, it doesn't matter what the price is at this point in time. That's that's a good point. Quinn Farrow and Judy, we're going to leave it there. Uh, this is the nature of business. You take one or two on the chin. Um, but as long as your your eyes on the horizon, um, any exciting developments that looking for in Q1? Yeah, we have to get out financials now before end of November, and then uh, we crack on with a new financial year. All the best to that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Gary. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes: Insight, Advice, Impact.